0: I want to talk about storytelling tonight, so it was good to get those, uh, some of that, uh, those comments from Mary. And uh, I want to um, start by really just reading out this passage from 1 John. I suggest, why don't we just do this uh, together, uh, and why don't we read verses, 1 John 1, verses 1 to um, 7, how's that? And so let's just go for this together. This will help us sort of focus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, And yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So I want to think about storytelling. I guess I better start with a story. So as you know, I haven't always been a Christian and came to faith in my mid-twenties, I wasn't a Christian at university, and uh, I was with a friend of mine, James, we were on the same rugby team, we were going back to halls, we ended up having quite a boozy lunch, to be honest, and uh, we went from uh, the pub to uh, our halls of residence, and uh, we walked past a sign, that said, Greece, the musical, auditions, and Jane said to me, hey Mike, let's just go in and audition. And I said, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Let's just have a laugh. So we went in and we had to sing some songs and audition and uh, we just left, thought nothing of it. And then um, about two weeks later, there was a, there was a knock on my door, frantic, frantic knock, and James was standing there. He was white as a ghost. I said, what's happened? Are you all right? He said, I had a total nightmare. you never guess what's happened. I said, what's happened? He said, I've got a main part in Greece, a musical. Uh, And I said, oh my gosh, that is absolutely terrible. That's awful. And uh, he said, it gets worse. I said, why does it get worse? I can't believe it. He said, because so have you. (laughs) And we both starred, in inverted commas, in this musical. There's about 1,200 people a night for five nights. I had to learn to play the guitar. I had to sing a solo. Would you believe it's my idea of a nightmare? And... um, just had this extraordinary experience. And on the last night, there was a big sort of rap party, or have you, I can't remember how you describe it in the theatrical world. And uh, anyways, big party, it's about five o'clock in the morning, the party's over. And um, I basically, I'm walking home after this uh, whole experience, and I feel absolutely gutted that the whole thing's over. I just can't, I am so upset. I'm, I'm crying, I'm so sad uh, that this whole thing's over. And I, I'm thinking, why am I even crying? Like, why am I crying? And uh, it took me a while to work it out. I was crying because I'd experienced really deep community. We'd rehearsed, we got to know one another, we'd grow to love one another. There were ups, there were downs, there was quite nerve-wracking stuff. And uh, we pulled something off together. And I was gutted it was over. So what I want to do tonight is pick up on some of these themes. And I want to suggest, I don't know whether you agree with what I say tonight, but I think we all want to be known, we want to be loved, we want to be accepted, and we want to have a sense of belonging and go on a bit of an adventure. And uh, I think, actually, uh, we struggle often in our culture to, to really be known. We're all so busy. We struggle really to feel very, very loved if we're really, really honest and really connected with other people. And uh, we often feel that we don't belong. And this is a a factor for us in the church. It's a factor for when we're outside the church. And uh, we can often feel on the margins of things. And um, modern life can be a lonely experience. And you'll see uh, on these slides, I don't know whether you can find the slides, uh, that basically uh, there's a few pictures here this artist um, called Edward Hopper, he was an American guy, and uh, he, he, he's archetypal uh, for showing uh, modern life uh, and its disconnected uh, nature. If you flip forward um, the next slide, and then the next slide. You've probably seen these pictures, uh, have you? You might recognize them. There's a woman sitting on her own uh, in a diner there. There's a guy at the bar. And uh, on this next slide, he captured a married couple. And just there's not a connection there. There's not um, uh, uh, belonging and, and deep uh, togetherness there. And Hopper, uh, actually, this was painted in, this, he painted in the 30s, 40s, 50s. And uh, actually, uh, he captured this sense of the disconnection of modern life. Actually, I want to suggest tonight that often, in the busyness with cultural changes, actually, uh, we feel even more disconnected now, sort of 50 years on. And I don't know whether you know this person on this next slide. Um, I don't know whether you recognize her. Do you recognize this woman? This is Tracy Crouch. I hadn't seen her before, but she's basically Britain's new minister, government minister for loneliness. And she was appointed in January, and she's got quite a considerable brief. And basically, there was a big study done. Uh, Jo Cox, actually, following her death, had set up a commission on loneliness. And it concluded that millions and millions of people in the country actually feel lonely. Nine million is the figure. And uh, they started their work with elderly people. And uh, actually, a lot has been done with elderly people. But they've realized that actually younger people, everyone is feeling increasingly disconnected and like they're not really uh, loved, known, connected, and belonging as much as they would like to be. Now, you you might be sitting there thinking, that's not true of me, that's fine. Uh, But I want to just think about this uh, this evening. And um, actually, uh, what is loneliness? Here's a definition. Loneliness is the experience of failure to satisfy the basic human need for deep personal relationships with other people. This gives rise to a sense of feeling excluded or uh, potentially rejected uh, and not really mattering to anyone. And uh, actually, um, what has happened is uh, uh, The images we see, the Hollywood films, uh, the stuff we watch on TV, everyone does seem to be really connected, and actually it, it can put us in a position of shame so we don't talk about this stuff uh, when we do this. And lots of people, studies are the saying, they actually feel that they look at everyone else and think, gosh, it's everyone else at school who's got friends. It's just, it's just me who feels a bit on the edge. Or at university, they seem to have, know everyone, they're the sporty, they're in the sporty crew, the cool crew, or, or uh, actually they're the good-looking crew, whatever it is. And I feel a bit uh, in, uh, on my own with this. And uh, actually, um, there can be a big issue today of of not having the time for relationships. Busyness, email, uh, iPhones, smartphones, beep, 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 beep. Uh, even social media, the studies are saying actually... In many ways, it's brought people together, but actually, the overriding sense is that it's, it's, it's disconnected people, because it's created this narcissistic, Instagrammed, airbrush, perfect sort of world, and you just, I, I'm just not like that, and you look at everyone else having an amazing time, and you kind of just think, oh gosh, it's probably just me who leads this relatively normal existence of feeling a bit human, and... Uh, good days bad days and everyone seems to know everyone and get all the likes it's it's not me uh, and say so, uh I want to just say tonight that actually storytelling can help us overcome a feeling of not feeling loved and not feeling connected, not like we're belonging. And uh, I want to unpack this now. I want to do this reasonably fast tonight because I want to just leave some time for prayer. Now the first thing, uh, the first story we need to hear, you'll see on this next slide, is we need to hear the story of God our Father in heaven. He knows us, he loves us, he wants to connect with us And uh, he wants us to have a sense of uh, belonging. And one of the interesting things from these verses in 1 John is that the disciples, the first disciples, were great storytellers. They took it really, really seriously. You'll see on this next slide, these verses. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, that's Jesus. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it and we've proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father uh, and has appeared to us. And notice on the next slide, I'm highlighting different parts, they had a very deep personal connection uh, with Jesus which we've heard, hello, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked at, our hands have touched, we've seen him, he's appeared to us and they can't help but tell stories of what's happened. And uh, I want to suggest we need to hear the God story over and over again in our lives if we're to feel uh, uh, connected and a sense of belonging. We need to hear all sorts of stories, Jesus' life, death, resurrection. Yes, I want to suggest or focus on tonight that we need to hear the story of God's love for us. God is love. This is a massive theme in John's gospel. Uh, It's an all-embracing love. He welcomes everyone. He wants everyone to be connected. Think of um, uh, the woman by the well, the Sa- Samaritan woman. It's a radically inclusive love. He shouldn't have been talking to a Samaritan, let alone a woman. It's an unmerited love, you know. Actually, uh, and there is a sense we don't deserve this love, but because of what Jesus has done, uh, we can have this access to our Father in heaven. It's a merciful love. Uh, Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, bounding in love. He'll not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. It's a sacrificial love. You know, we can feel it's a bit soppy this talk of God's love but actually there's nothing stoppy about it because actually God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a strong uh, sacrificial love and uh, I could go on, it's an inseparable love, it's a conquering love and we need to hear the story of God's love for us in a culture which is disconnecting us isolating us, uh, often looking glossy and like everyone else is having a great time. We need to hear that story. And uh, I want to encourage us as a church to be telling stories like the first disciples did of what God is doing. I love the stories in the services, but can, can we keep bringing stories of what God is doing? Because what Jesus did, he took on flesh, John is big on this, and he showed us what God was like. And actually, when we tell stories, we're just being uh, putting flesh on what God is doing. This is what happened to me last week. This is what happened, whatever it might be. So let's be storytellers. The second thing I want to suggest tonight is we need to keep telling um, our story to God. It sounds strange, but, you know, Bex and I were in a, uh, took the boys out for a birthday meal, uh, I think it was last year, actually, and we noticed there were a couple just on a table next to us. And they were there for about an hour, maybe. They had some pizza and a drink. They didn't actually say a word to one another. And uh, you sort of noticed, we were watching them. And uh, uh, they didn't communicate uh, at all. And uh, actually, the only thing they did is he took a photo of the food (laughs) and posted it online, probably with a comment saying, amazing food, having an amazing night out with da-da-da-da-da, incredible. But, you know, they didn't say anything. And uh, we can end up uh, actually not connecting with God. We need to keep telling God our story, I want to suggest tonight. And uh, I say that because uh, actually we're called into deep connection with God. This is the privilege of being a Christian. You'll see on this uh, these verses here. It says this, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. Why? So that you may also have fellowship with us. Fellowship... Uh, And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So I want to just think about what this fellowship might mean. Actually, if you had to uh, translate this word, it's koinonia in Greek. It probably, connection is what you would translate it as. It's deep connection. You see, in a culture where we don't feel connected, we have a God who's inviting us into fellowship, into koinonia, characterized by connection. And Jesus paints pictures of, of, of what this life is like. He says it's a bit like a vine and a branch. That's how connected it is. Well, that's very connected in John 15. Paul picks it up in uh, 1 Corinthians, I think. He talks about, you know, the, the closeness, the connection between you and God is a bit like a head and a body. You know, it's very, very connected. So actually, what we're invited into as Christians is this deep uh, connection with God. And our Father in heaven longs to connect very deeply with us. He doesn't want us to be sitting in a restaurant not talking to him. He actually wants us to be sharing uh, our life uh, with Him, and uh, basically, you know, uh, there's so many verses in the Bible about God wanting to know us and for us uh, and wanting to us uh, to open His life to us. One of the, the, the Hebrew word uh, is coming up on this next slide, and it's yada, and uh, this is the verb actually in Hebrew to know God to know us, and uh, it's an intense. Uh, concept in Hebrew, this idea of God really wanting to connect and know us. It's even used of of sex between a man and a wife, such as the intimacy of it uh, and the connection of it, because God wants to do life with you. He wants you to open your life uh, to him. He knows what's going on, of course, uh, but he wants to uh, actually uh, share and uh, hear uh, what is going uh, on. And we need to think, be careful uh, in the church as we follow Jesus that we, we understand what this knowledge is of God. And there's this interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 8, it will come up here. Paul makes some important dis- distinctions. Now, he's actually here talking about food sacrificed to idols. And he says this uh, We all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. And there's two senses, two concepts of uh, knowing in this verse, and one is uh, about uh, actually uh, analyzing and observing. This is the stuff in red. But actually, the the, the love to which or the knowledge to which we're called to with God is a different, it's not about knowing um, God in a sort of analytical, observing, uh, uh, neutral sort of way. It's actually more intense. This second word of uh, whoever loves God is known by God, carries this sense of actually opening our life to God and uh, letting God in. And uh, the best translation actually is is actually to be seen by God, uh, to let God see us, let God know what is happening. And the truth is, uh, we all have various stuff going on and uh, it's good to talk to God about this and tell God the story of this. And I know, I, I know looking around the room, you all do this, but it's a good reminder actually to keep it real with God. And uh, if you need any encouragement to do this, just read the Psalms. These Psalmists keep it real with God. Uh, The joys, the thanksgiving, the celebrations, the jubilations, the anger, the venom, the jealousy, the... misunderstanding of enemies, all this sort of stuff. And I want to encourage us to really um, actually open our, our lives to God and speak to God in a raw, real way. Because we tend not to do that to many people, if anyone, quite frankly. And uh, God is here. He's wanting to connect with us. He wants to know us, but he, he kind of does know us, uh, obviously. But he, he, he wants us to take, be proactive in that. I was in New Zealand many years ago, and it was late at night, and I was sort of going to bed. It's about one o'clock in the morning, and I just felt the presence of the Spirit come into our kitchen as I was packing the dishwasher. And uh, I just sat down at the table, and I've learned in these situations. I just said, Father, um, is there anything you want me to do, or are you trying to say something to me? I'm, here, I'm listening. Speak. Your son is listening to you. And I felt God say, no. Uh, he said, I just want to be with you. So we sat there for about 45 minutes. Some of them most wonderful minutes of my life, actually, um, just with God, just communing with God, deeply connecting with God. And uh, this is uh, important that we, we do this, that we don't forget. It's a really real relationship with the Lord that we're offered. Okay, so um, the third thing. Are you with me so far? So I think what I'm saying is, first of all, let's be people who um, keep telling the God story and we need to keep hearing the God story. Secondly, keep being known by God and telling God our story. What's really going on? What, What really are our doubts? What really are our frustrations? All that sort of stuff. And then we need to keep telling our story to others in a small group. The, the, the Christian call isn't one just to sort of uh, connection with God alone, where you just do the Lone Ranger thing and it's just you and God. I, I, could, uh, I could fall into that, but actually, we're called into community and fellowship uh, with others. And uh, you'll see on this next slide, it's important this, we're not just called into fellowship with God and Jesus, we're also, John is writing, we proclaim what we've seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And what Jesus does is he institutes this whole new community and he models life in community. He has 12 disciples, he, he, he literally lives with 12 people uh, and does life with them. He doesn't say, hey, come to the synagogue once a week at six o'clock or um, you know, let's uh, do this course together. He lives with them and he's particularly close to three of them, Peter, James, John. John who wrote these verses was the disciple that Jesus loved. and. Um, David Watson writes this on this, uh, you'll see this quote hopefully on this next slide um, if it comes up. He called them to live every day in fellowship with each other, losing their independence, learning interdependence, and as a result gaining new riches and strengths as members of God's new society. They were to share everything together, their joys, their sorrows, their pains, their possessions, and in this way become the messianic community of Christ the King. Indeed, all the disciples were called to, at some level, into a depth of sharing they'd never known before. So storytelling actually is very, very important because actually uh, it's how we can uh, be known by other people. One of my favorite questions, I love asking people, what's your story? And uh, it's amazing what comes out and what, what people say. And uh, we need to be in communities, storytelling communities, because actually that's how we can be known and be real and be authentic, not just with God but one another. And this is the only way actually you can ever have any chance of living the Christian life and finding God's life to the full as, uh, as much as he wants you to. Now, often I've been in many different sorts of groups, but often I found groups can have different levels of intimacy and community. And, um, you know, some well, people will talk about the spiritual life, some people might talk about work. Uh, I haven't been in many where uh, people really share what they're struggling with, or I've, I've been in very few. I've been in some men's groups where people uh, share what they're really ashamed of or what, what's hidden. But actually, on the whole, we need to make sure that the communities we're part of are authentic communities. I want to show you a photo of this um, guy. This guy is a guy called M. Scott Peck. You may have heard from, uh, heard of him. He is, uh, was an American psychiatrist. He was uh, treating uh, soldiers and... Uh, Uh, He was a Buddhist, he became a Christian, he wrote a book called The Road Less Travelled in 1978, it was published. I read it and actually that catapulted me into exploring spiritual things. So I I actually, he's never met me, he won't know, he's dead now, but actually uh, I I, uh, owe a lot to this guy. And He said actually there's various stages to authentic community and I just want to leave this with you for you to think about, as you think about the communities you're part of, or maybe you're in a community, what you might go for. He says, basically, for most communities start as pseudo-communities. He said, uh, everyone is desperate they work, and they're all being very pleasant and nice to one another. And uh, he said, the problem with that, that's often not a really uh, deep community. And he said, often, often communities never get beyond that. And he said, to get beyond that, what people have to do is go into stage two, which is chaos, where people are really honest about what's going on. And this could apply to a small group, or, or, or whatever, in a marriage, or in a relationship, in a, a business setting. But whatever he says, you've got people have to be honest about really what's going on. And he said it's chaos. This theory, because people are still trying to bury it and put it under the carpet. And he said this can feel really uncomfortable. And uh, he said, often what happens, people try and organize the next bit, try and organize themselves into community and bring some degree of order and everything's fine here, let's just blah, blah, blah. He says, actually, organization just kills community. It it doesn't do, uh, doesn't produce an authentic community. He said, actually, the next stage, if you're going to ever get to authentic communities, the people in the community have to empty themselves of their prejudices, their... Desire to control, that desire to even, he says, help other people in the group, because he says a lot, often his theory is a bit harsh. He said that can be quite self serving in the initial phases. And he said, you need to just be together and let people be. And he says, when you do that, you can actually get incredibly vulnerable because it becomes a safe place and then authentic, authentic community uh, happens. Now, I tell you that just for your. You might think that's rubbish, but I just—that's worth thinking about. I read that about in about 1996. I've never forgotten it, Uh, and uh, it's worth just thinking: what community, what sort of community, uh, am I part of? So I'm stopping there. We've got to be people who hear God's story over our lives regularly. This is where Sunday gatherings, the church, is so important reading the Bible is so important. We need to be people who tell God uh, our story, are real with God, in other words, and uh, really real and honest. And actually, if we're really to find life and life to the full, we need to find a community where we can do that too, and be really real, really honest with other people, a small group, a safe group, who can support us, pray for us, champion us. And when we do that, we'll find authentic community and actually that desire, those desires to be loved, to have a sense of belonging, to feel connected uh, and to actually pull something off with a group of people uh, actually can become realised.